Welcome to the Last Call podcast. I'm Sarah Hartman. And my name is Marissa Whitaker. We're both alcohol and other drug educators, or AOD educators for short. Our job is to approach substance use from a neutral stance based on science and public health. And we educate students to help teach them how to make healthy and informed choices. So as our listeners might know, 420 falls in the month of April. So in honor of that, we are dedicating both of the episodes this month to cannabis education. Today's episode is going to cover various cannabis facts and myths. So the first one we have, Morris, and I'm sure you hear this, you know, quite a bit. Um, So is there a fact or a myth that any CBD that you get um, has no THC in it? Well, I would say given that how prevalent it is, I would say that may be true. So um, it's actually a myth. So by law, so this was actually prior to legalization in New York, any CBD that's sold in um, those stores that are kind of popping up all over the place has to contain 0.03% or less of THC. Now, does that mean that people actually follow that? Not necessarily. So many of the stores that are selling um, CBD products are selling um, unregulated and untested products, meaning that if you do um, have to pass a drug test and you're utilizing CBD for any reason, it's important that you know what's in the product that you're taking. So what that would entail would be making sure that the product you're consuming has been third-party lab tested, which basically means that the place that's selling it isn't the one that tested it and is showing like, oh no, there's no THC in it. It's been tested by an outside agency or, you know, place. And then they can, if like upon asking, can show you that lab test result showing that there's 0.03% or less THC in it. Um, If a place can't show you a lab test result, you know, I wouldn't tell out that that product um, is completely THC free. You mean ZoomTan doesn't have reputable cannabis products? (laughs) You never know. Um, so funny story about this, Maris, and you know, this happened a couple of years ago, but one of my friends was only taking CBD. So he wasn't someone who, you know, was, was a cannabis user, got chosen randomly to participate in a drug test and he actually failed that drug test. So it's always important to do that kind of decisional balance. If, you know, you need to be drug tested for your job, is it the best idea for you to be using a CBD product that could potentially cause you to be positive on a drug test? You know, that's something that you have to make that best decision for you. Wow. So let's switch gears a little bit to edibles. Fact or myth, do you think that eating an edible has the same effect as smoking weed? I'm going to go with myth. That is correct. It's actually an entirely different metabolic process. So for all of the can of nerds out there, it's the CYP2C9 gene that actually makes the enzyme that breaks down THC, which is his wild stuff. But I know, again, I'll try to keep it brief. This enzyme can play a role in the duration and the intensity of the high that somebody has. Some people don't metabolize edibles well at all. This can be viewed in a couple different ways. So there are some people on the spectrum that don't metabolize it well in the sense that they feel an immense amount of anxiety and have a bad high when they eat an edible. Other people don't metabolize it well in the sense that they feel nothing at all. So there's two very different ways of how the THC is being broken down, giving people a varied experience. 
Also, edibles can take up to two hours to take effect and can vary from person to person, whereas smoking begins to take effect in minutes. If you're comparing this to smoking and how you feel instantly high, you might not think it's working for you, so you would consume more edibles. And when all of that kicks in, that can be scary for people. So be very mindful if you're taking an edible to give it some time to kick in. That's really interesting too, Maris, kind of thinking about people, you know, when it comes down to your genes, like some people just don't handle cannabis well in that way, you know, so that might be important for everyone to consider, you know, if you've had positive experience with smoking cannabis, that doesn't always mean that if you take an edible, you're going to have that same positive experience. Yeah. And when people say too, like, I don't have a good experience when I use weed, to respect that about a person because it might be down to their genetic code that they just can't process weed well. So don't try to tell them, no, they have a different strain. It doesn't matter if you don't process it in a healthy way. That was good. So here's the next one, Maris. Myth or fact, uh, you can buy synthetic weed in a store, so that must mean that it's safe. You lost me as soon as you said synthetic. I knew like no good was going to come of this. So I'm going to go with meth. (laughs) (laughs) You are absolutely correct. So um, this is a myth for sure. Um, Basically, what I tell students is that it's potpourri, um, you know, like the old potpourri that your grandparents would have like on their coffee table. So just like dried up um, plant material. (laughs) Roses. Great. (laughs) So it's just dried up plant material. And then it's sprayed with different chemicals so when i say chemical i don't mean um it's sprayed with like extract of thc no it's sprayed with a synthetic uh chemical but you have no idea what reaction that you're going to have when you utilize that synthetic so i think a lot of people will utilize um synthetic cannabis and think that they're going to have similar reactions to when they use real weed and it, it ends up being a completely different experience Yeah, yeah. And it's probably closer to a bath salt with what you were just describing than actual cannabis. Yes, absolutely. So um, it's important to know, too, that a lot of synthetic um, cannabis products are, um, even if you get two packages of the same thing, they're very inconsistent. If you brought them to a lab and tested them out, they wouldn't be the same thing. They could be two completely different things. So very inconsistent. Um, what's also interesting about synthetics is that when there's bad reactions or reported overdose deaths um, that are caused by certain strains or certain chemicals, the manufacturers will change one thing about that chemical. So either one letter or one um, number in that specific chemical, but then they'll just re-push it out. So it's kind of like a never-ending battle that's just ongoing in terms of like trying to outlaw all of these different synthetics because the manufacturers just keep coming up with with new ones every time one is kind of outlawed. All right, so let's switch gears back to edibles for a second. Sarah, do you think that it's a fact or a myth that edible doses vary from state to state? I think that is a fact. That is a fact. So this is, again, buyer beware when you're purchasing and consuming cannabis products, um, especially edibles. So in the majority of states with legal cannabis, the maximum dosing has been set at five milligrams per serving. So you might see less than that for people that might be new to trying out edibles. um, But typically, five milligrams is set as a serving. 
So there are states like Washington State out west that have set the limit at 10 milligrams. Um, that's twice the amount as Oregon, which is just a stone's throw away from the border. It's about 15 minutes difference to get from one place to the other. Um, and they have five milligrams set. So again, that's twice the amount. To complicate it even further, there can be multiple servings per item that you buy. So for example, a candy bar or a pack of gummies. So it could have five milligrams per square of the candy bar, but there's 10 squares in that. And Sarah's referenced this in another episode, like who eats just like one square of a candy bar. That's what you should be doing if you're having edibles. So people sometimes eat the whole candy bar, have a bad time. Dosing in general is pretty subjective with cannabis, and each individual can respond differently to a dose, just what I said before on how we all metabolize cannabis differently. Um, so when purchasing an edible, be really mindful of what a dose is and how many doses are in a serving. Yeah, and from a harm reduction standpoint, it might be better to try half of that full dose. Um, you know, we, like, like Maria said, we know it's not always easy to eat, you know, one square of a Hershey bar, but especially if it's not a product that you've ever used before, it might be a good idea just to try half of that, like, dose that's there and see how you react to it um, and make sure that you give it enough time um, before trying the other half. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. So, like, five milligrams might be a dose, but if you don't use cannabis at all, five milligrams might be too much for you. So, like, you can always add more to things, but you can't take it away once you've already consumed it. So, I'm going to hit you with two back-to-back -back questions, but we'll do one at a time. Um, so, switching from edibles, let's talk about combustible weed or smoking weed. So, do you think that it's a fact or a myth that the longer you hold a hit in, the higher that you're going to get? I don't know. A lot of my students think that's that's true. I agree also that a lot of our students think that's true. A lot of people who use cannabis think that that's true. That's actually a myth. Um, so stop doing it. So THC is actually absorbed almost instantly into your system when you're inhaling it. What you're holding in is tar and smoke and things that are not good for your lungs. Maybe that lightheaded feeling that you get as due to lack of oxygen, not THC intoxication. So holding in a hit doesn't get you higher, um, doesn't have the THC in your system for longer. So you're, you know, absorbing it better. That, that's a very common myth, but a myth nonetheless. My follow up to that one, smoking resin actually gets you super high. I'm going to say myth. That is correct. Um, you're good at your profession. This is also a myth, so stop doing this too. For those that might not be aware, resin is that black stuff that's often found in glass pieces. Um, and what that is, is it's a buildup of cannabis byproduct and flour that accumulates in a glass piece over time. So like all that gunk that someone might find in a bong mixed with water, um, all of that stuff that's turning someone's bowl different colors, that's resin. People who have consumed resin have reported that it tastes disgusting, it hurts their throat, and the research shows, in all honesty, it has less cannabinoids and terpenes than cannabis flower, and the terpenes are what gives cannabis its flavor. And that would make sense why people say it doesn't taste very good. So for sanitation purposes and for harm reduction reasons, keep your piece clean. That is definitely a myth. There are no benefits to smoking resin. I hope that resonates with you. <laughs> Anyway, so Maris, is it a myth or a fact that vaping weed is better for your lungs than smoking it? 
I would say it depends on what kind of vaping we're talking, but I have a sneaking suspicion you're going to elaborate on that. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're right. Um, It's kind of both. So this isn't necessarily a myth. It isn't necessarily a fact. So if you listen to our long-term implications episode, um, we talked about eValley which if you didn't, um, it stands for e-cigarette or vaping use associated a lung injury. So and why didn't talk- you listen to that episode? No, I'm, just I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked about how um, it can be caused by unregulated um, and off-market THC cartridges. So um, when they examined the lungs of young people who had been diagnosed with the valley, and uh, trace back the products that they had used, the majority of the people involved had been consuming THC vape cartridges from sources where they didn't necessarily know what was in the cartridge. So buying them from a friend, family member, or acquaintance. So in terms of, you know, cannabis research, as well as vaping research, there hasn't been a ton of dedicated research done. Just thinking in general about smoking anything hot and burning, um, it's never going to be a good thing for your lungs. So just kind of wanted to throw that out there too. But if we're talking about utilizing a vaporizer um, that takes the plant form of cannabis, this could be a little bit safer than smoking a blunt, for example. So you're not taking so much burning material into your lungs from the rolling paper or the blunt. Um, if you're experiencing negative things associated with the manner in which you're consuming cannabis and you don't want to stop consuming it, this might be part of a conversation that would be tied into greater harm reduction. Thank you for listening to the Last Call podcast. Please join us next time for our tea break episode um right around 420 bye thanks for listening bye